Good morning, good morning, family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice, and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I am privileged to serve as your pastor. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Um, and if I don't serve as your pastor, thank you for making us your church home for about 29 minutes this morning. It is great to have you. Uh, we've been in a sermon series this entire month entitled Awesome God. Uh, in this series, we've been examining the awesomeness of God through all of uh, or various encounters that men and women had with God and how in each instance there's a particular name of God that captures what God revealed about himself in the encounter. And so the first Sunday of this year, we talked about El Shaddai, God Almighty. Uh, last week, we talked about Jehovah or Yahweh, meaning to be or to cause to be, uh, the I am that I am. And, and today we want to talk about Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And so again, greetings. Thank you for joining us. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go straight into the Word of God this morning. Uh, to the book of Judges, chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verses 11 through 24. And while you're turning there, I want to give a shout out to all who joined us in our corporate fast last week in concert with our Every Nation family of churches. It was just a blessed time. We had corporate prayer every day, morning and night, and what a gift to remind ourselves of who's in charge and who is Lord, and it's not this flesh. And so whether you fasted from food or TV, social media, whatever it was, thank you for joining us in uh, the corporate consecration of ourselves. And, and God doesn't change, but when we shift and, and, and set aside time of communion and to do so together, uh, something special happens. So I appreciate you all, appreciate the prayer team for coordinating those calls two times a day. Uh, what a blessing, what a blessing. Judges chapter 6, we'll be looking again at verses 11 through 14. 11 through 14. Before we read, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to study the word of God. Thank you for opening up our eyes to see all of the wonderful things that you have for us in your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24. I'll be reading from the NIV. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. 
Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, verse 19, prepared a young goat and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abijrites. Title of the message this morning is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And, and there's one main point that I want to emphasize this morning, and that is God's peace will take you from the wine press to worship. God's peace will take you from the wine press to worship. Some background. The book of Judges shows the progression of the nation of Israel from wandering and conquering tribes to becoming one nation. And as such, the book is filled with uncertainty, disorder, lawlessness. Judges reflects Israel's desperate need for moral and spiritual leadership. It reveals the profound social and moral, moral deterioration that results when there is no central authority. And if there were a theme statement of the author of the book of Judges, it, it, it would likely be found in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, which says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the book of Judges plays an important role in the unfolding of redemption history by continually affirming the need for a king. But in contrast, the rest of the Old Testament illustrates that all kings and political institutions, if you will, eventually fail us. God's people are shown to be completely incapable of following him faithfully. They descend quickly into disobedience and to injustice and to apostasy. The sins of the people of Israel grow worse and worse. And their leaders, the judges, are consistently shown to be flawed and unfaithful in their obedience to God. And yet, we see God constantly being faithful and reaching out to his people despite their disobedience. And he further empowers these flawed leaders, even though many of them at times are leading Israel away from him afterward. Gideon is the most chronicled individual in this entire book. And the narrative tracks with him and, and, and Abimelech, his son from Judges, Chapter 6 through chapter 9. Gideon's call from God also has some aspects that resemble 
other significant Bible figures. He doubts God, for example, and God's promises uh, to him, just like Abraham did and just like Moses did. Gideon sees God face to face, just like Jacob did. He asks for a sign like Moses. He fights Baal worship and has an offering miraculously consumed by fire, that is, just by, just like Elijah. And so Gideon is uh, an excellent picture of the judges and how God uses flawed people. And I, for one, am incredibly glad that God does. And so to our text, verse 11, we see the phrase, the angel of the Lord. I wanted to start there because it's a phrase that's, that's mentioned a number of times in the book of Judges. And, uh, and, and Gideon is then threshing or beating out wheat, which is the, the removal of the edible grain. I had to read about this. There's nothing that I or maybe even you, unless you're sort of uh, have some affinity to agrarian society. There, uh, there's a removal, removal of edible grain from its stalk or husk and straw to which it is attached. But Gideon's doing so in a wine press, that which is used to, to squeeze grapes and channel it into a large container, which if you think about it, wine presses then are typically dug in vineyards. He's threshing in a wine press, which is not normal. And in many ways, it's inefficient because threshing wheat is something that's typically done on a flat and uh, an open surface so that the wind can blow out the husks and the shaft. But at this point, the Midianites had already attacked Israel. They destroyed their crops. They, they, they uh, took away livestock. And so some would say, okay, Gideon's kind of doing whatever he could in this moment. And so cut him some slack. Give him some props, if you will. The, the circumstances weren't perfect. He's out there doing what he can. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I, I see it more of a fear and an anxiety in him that uh, uh, about being exposed to more attack if he had gone up to that typical threshing floor. What do you do when you're scared? What does it look like? What does beating out wheat in a wine press look like for you and for me? And here in the text, the angel shows up calls him mighty warrior why would the angel call him something that he is clearly not reflecting why would God call us some things that we clearly don't reflect on a daily basis the angel of the Lord now was calling out of Gideon just like God calls out of us that which God intends to do in and through him despite his fear and despite his flaws. And if I had a parenthetical wish or hope and prayer there, it's that we too would see each other the way God sees us. It's easy to see flaws and, and, and shortcomings. The basements, if you will, of our strengths. All of the, It's so easy to see those things, but what if we just started calling out in each other and to each other what God sees? Mighty warrior, the angel of the Lord says here. And he says in verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Gideon, not unlike us at times, says in verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, which is not like my Lord, uh, like we talked about last week, Jehovah Yahweh. This was more like my earthly Lord. But pardon, pardon me, my Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, capital L. Why has all this happened to us? He's not really perceiving who he's talking to in this moment. 
The Lord has abandoned us, essentially, Gideon is saying. Now, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where you said something crazy to an elder and there were maybe some friends around or some other folks around and they just kind of started like backing away. Like, like, like if there were any friends around in this circumstance, I'm sure they would be like backing away from Gideon in this moment so that when the lightning struck, they wouldn't be in, in any proximity to that. My own quick personal story. When I was 16, I'll never forget. I think I may have told this story before, actually. Um, I had saved up for my own moped. A neighbor was going to sell me this really nice, shiny red moped. Lived around the corner. They had an extra one. And I was working at Friendly, scooping ice cream and got, got me some, some change. And so I was ready to pay for it. And my dad actually said it was okay, which surprised me. But he did. But my mom shut it down. Absolutely not. You will not. You will not be getting on a moped. She knew something about how reckless I might be on it. But I remember giving her the business. Oh, my goodness. Still apologizing to this day. Gave her the business for it and said something to the effect of, you're always messing stuff up, Ma. Now, I can almost hear virtually kind of your collective gasp. There was nobody in the room. But it's almost as if I could see my siblings' faces and my dad's face and my friends' faces who knew of my mom, and they were all kind of in synchronized fashion doing the same thing, kind of just deep sigh, shaking of the head. And somehow, I don't, I, somehow I'm here to tell you that story. I'm not quite sure how that is. I don't know why Jesus loved me that much, but somehow he does. To this day, I don't know what restrained my mother from, from taking me out, basically, and telling me more about myself and how reckless I probably would have been. And, and who would have known? Months later, I actually lost a friend uh, who was reckless on his own motorcycle. But similarly, this angel in, in, in verse 14 doesn't respond to Gideon's statements by pointing out Israel's sins. Rather, the Lord turns to him, even when Gideon seems to be trying to turn away from the Lord. And the Lord just kind of turns to him and says, almost like... Uh, like a Steve Harvey today would say, you know what, go on now. Go on, I done told you, go on. And then Gideon's reply about his inadequacy in verse 14 mirrors that of Moses' response. Kind of like we talked about last week in Exodus 3. Who, who am I? And then God's response to Gideon's inad inadequacy in verse 16 is like it was for Moses. It's his presence. I will be with you. But again, not unlike us sometimes, and I'm not here beating us up today, uh, it is sometimes though helpful for all of us to remember that folks in scripture are just like us. And so before we start picking up stones to throw, let's remember the glass house many of us actually live in. And so if we're honest at times, even after all the promises and the words from the Lord that we have received in faith when we've gotten it, we're still like, Lord, but give me a sign. Show me something, please which for Gideon came up a number of times in his narrative. In this chapter, it also later, verses 36 through 40, chapter 7, it comes up. And God, in his mercy, infinite mercy and infinite grace, meets him there. So after Gideon goes and prepares basically this huge Thanksgiving meal, he asks the angel of the Lord, hey, just can you wait here? He goes and prepares all this stuff for like his family, his cousins and them. Comes back to the angel, says, okay, uh, uh, you know, the angel says to him, rather, put the meat and, and, and put the bread on this rock. 
and then take the broth and pour, pour it out on this rock. Not unlike the prophet Elijah pouring water on his sacrifice before it was consumed by miraculous fire in 1 Kings chapter 18. Gideon follows suit. He's obedient. And sure enough, the angel of the Lord takes the staff, he touches the meat, the unleavened bread, and fire bursts forth from the rock. And then the angel just kind of vanishes, almost as if to say, look, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Which, by the way, I've seen too many times, years literally pass in the lives of many because they needed consuming fire from a rock before they believed the words from the Lord spoken over their lives. To go, to do, to be. Lord, where's the fire? Years pass. And if I can admonish you just a bit, don't wait for the consuming fire before you believe God. The angel just bounces up and vanishes like, I got nothing left for you, bro. If this doesn't work, I don't know what else to say. I say that, of course, a bit tongue in cheek, a little bit in jest, but I am grateful for the patience of our God. So grateful. We have no idea the extent to which our God is patient with us. And yet in moments when we get a glimpse, it's just that it's a glimpse. So Gideon, upon realizing now he had been speaking with God, he says his response in verse 22 is, alas, <laughs> which in Hebrew is a primitive word for uh, expressing pain in a very dramatic way. It's, it's a guttural reaction from Gideon. Alas, my Lord. Why was this Gideon's response to seeing God? Well, we can only kind of do what we can do in, in using Scripture to interpret Scripture. And this response mirrors that of other instances in the Bible when people would fear literally for their lives after seeing God. Take Jacob for a quick example. When he named uh, the place Peniel where he saw God in Genesis chapter 32. But the Lord then says to Gideon, verse 23, peace, shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And how does Gideon respond? Verse 24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, called it the Lord is peace. To this day stands in Ophir the Abishrites. I'm struck because whatever fear Gideon might have had for the Midianites, which was real, it, it was greatly diminished in comparison to having just spoken to God face to face. Just last week, we fasted. We prayed. We, in concert with our Every Nation family, we, we set aside something, ourselves especially. And what struck me during that time is that God doesn't change. I said this a little bit earlier. It, it, he's, God is always there, always consistent. It's us who often forget how or, or maybe just have difficulty in consecrating ourselves, creating time to be on our face before God. But when we can clear the frequency like we did last week of all the things that can cloud and, and that can clutter, when we can hear and see God clearly, may everything else, every fear, etc., may it all diminish. May it just be eclipsed by the peace of God. And victory, I shared this this morning on our 930 call, I invite you to join me until we are together again in person to fast with me every single Monday in whatever way you choose. It could be food, TV, social media, whatever it is. But to join me every single Monday in consecrating ourselves, praying through uh, any of the Ashley Farr, our communications coordinator, put in our Instagram, uh, all of 
the memory verses that over the last couple of years we've been memorizing together. And so they're neatly there, all of the promises of God. And so I invite you to join me in fasting every single Monday and just praying through all of the promises of God or just maybe picking one or two, but just join me, if you will, so that together we can continue to see and hear, be face to face with God corporately. And as I prepare to close, what what is your deepest fear? Just by way of reflection, what keeps you awake at night? The Midianites jacked them up. So <laughs> get in. There was some fear there initially. But for us, what is it? Is it COVID-19? Is it deciding whether or not to take a job out of town? Is it fear of taking on a leadership role at Victory? Maybe you're thinking about leading a group and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe you're battling cancer right now. Maybe your significant other is dealing with a debilitating illness that's weighing on the family and you do not know how you are going to endure. What is it causes you fear and anxiety? Now, I'll be the first to say, I can't wait till COVID-19 is solved, okay? So let me just say that. For racism to go on somewhere, for sexism to go on somewhere, I'm first in line to, to see all of that go. And though I also pray that we collectively realize what it is that we really need even more. God. And what strikes me about this text as we close is that all Gideon wanted, all that Gideon wanted to do in verse 24 was to worship. Gideon could say, the Lord is peace, even though the battle was just about to begin. The internal peace from God more than made up for the external chaos. Can we say the Lord is peace even as COVID-19 is at its worst? Literally, we had the most in cases in Virginia ever and they're calling for more of a spike leading up to March. Can we say the Lord is peace as systemic racism just is interwoven into the fabric of who we are as America, even if President-elect Biden might say otherwise, it's who we are. Can we say the Lord is peace? I don't know about you, but there has to be more to tap into. I have to have more to, to, to tap into than just mind over matter, for example. I want the Lord's peace, as Philippians 4 says, the peace that passes understanding to guard my heart and to guard my mind. And encouraging here for us is to see this contrast, the contrast in Gideon from the start to the end of this particular pericope we focus on today, the fearfully threshing wheat in a wine press to peacefully worshiping God. Now, I got excited with this and I, and I said, God, slow me down this morning. Bring me down. Let me just let me just talk this one this morning. But I got excited when I thought about how God's peace will take us from the wine press to worship, from, from, from hiding, if you will, to homage. Now I feel, as I often do, a need to kind of insert a little small caveat because, because of the rhetoric and, and its implication that is permeating among some believers in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and so the caveat is not for you to take what I'm saying and use it as an excuse to be unwise, in this particular season of COVID. Please do not do that. I'm simply declaring though, God's peace to displace the debilitating fear and lead us into worship. 
Why is Victory Church always worshiping? Why they always got a testimony? Paul, Pastor Paul always talking about testimony time at 9.30. Man, is there always something to give God thanks for? Yes! That's why we do it every week. Psalm 34, the psalmist says, I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Worship. May we be a people, no matter the circumstance, situation going on in the world, who will worship. Not from a place of minimizing the ills of society, you've heard me say this before, nor our responsibility in being the remedy, but from a place of having been changed internally by the assurance of God's peace. That which is dependent. Say it differently. That which is not dependent on earthly circumstance, but rather dependent on what took place over 2,000 years ago. God taking on human form in the way of Jesus Christ, walking the earth, sinning, sinless, <laughs> tempted but not sinning, so that there could be a debt paid on our behalf, atoning once and for all, tearing the veil. <sighs> Dependent on that circumstance, rising from the grave three days later after having sacrificed his life Dependent on that circumstance, peace can be ours. Jehovah Shalom can be ours. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what a wine press looks like for you today. I gave some examples because I want to at least endeavor to get on your street. And if I didn't hit your street, you know where your street is. You know where your wine press is, where you're beating wheat in a wine press because of whatever debilitating fear that keeps you from doing more or being more and the declaration today is jehovah shalom peace that takes us from the wine press to worship heavenly father help us to go from the wine press to worship because of your peace may we be a people of worship our hearts continually postured in a form of adoration to a holy God who's deserving of it. And let the testimony of our peace that passes understanding witness of who you are and whose we are, that it's not in and of ourselves. Gideon was flawless. Moses, Abraham, Jacob, all in the, the hall of faith in Hebrews. Flawed. It's not about us, God. It's what can happen when you work in and through us such that our hands can be lifted no matter the circumstance. Our eyes looking beyond the hills, as a psalmist talked about, from whence cometh our help. And if you are listening to this this morning and have yet to receive Jesus Christ, Jehovah Shalom, as your Lord and personal Savior, this is a great time to do so. There's never a bad day to make a great decision. I'll tell you up front, accepting Jesus doesn't mean a storm-free life. Gideon had his troubles, had his battles, but he does promise us a storm-proof life in that the peace of God can guard our hearts and mind. And, and all you have to simply do is pray what's written in Romans 10, 9, and 10, confessing with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's in that moment we're saved, saved from the penalty of sin and in an ongoing fashion, continually, continually being saved from 
the power of sin here on earth and ultimately when we're left, when we've left the earth from the presence of sin. Peace that now was residing inside of Gideon brought about worship and then brought about further obedience for the brother to step into a space that made no sense except that God was with him with what seemed to be less but with the Lord with him was so much more than the enemy against him. That's who we are. That's who we are. God, thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, or maybe you, you said that prayer uh, for a second, maybe even a third time in rededicating your life, we'd love to hear from you so that we can pray with and for you and come alongside you. There's an electronic connect card in the chat box. Please just fill it out. And even if you're not here in Charlottesville, we'd love to just help you with next steps on this journey that we call sanctification, which is simply a fancy theological term for us becoming more like Jesus every single day with Jesus' help. And there are steps we can take together in community. If you are here in Charlottesville, don't have a church home, you are more than welcome. And... You are more than welcome to seek out the many wonderful communities here in the city of Charlottesville to be joined somewhere because we need each other. Amen. Love you, family. Jehovah Shalom. Next week, we'll be hearing from our prayer team to pray into some of these words and to introduce some more awesomeness of God. And the last week of this month, we'll finish up with one of our own here in the Victory House, preaching the word of God on El Roy, uh, the God who sees. And so we look forward to those weeks. I invite you to come back uh, next week, same time, same channel. Love y'all. Let's live. Uh, let's live in victory. Blessings.